Welcome to Our Street. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder here, as always. Kurt, are you having a good day? I am, Lynn. Thank you so much. It's been a, uh, it's been a long day, but I've been looking... And one of his staff, Brian Grimm, and a uh, real estate appraiser, Phil Hughes. So I want to welcome all of you gentlemen onto the show. And let, let's start, Dan, if you could, uh, for our listeners, the few that don't know you, if we start with you, give us some background and information about yourself, and then and we'll do uh, do the same with Brian and Phil. So go ahead. Well, I've been uh, county assessor now for just about a almost a year in January. Prior to that, I was county clerk for a number of years, and prior to that, uh, county uh, register of deeds. So I've had uh, pretty much all my adult career has been in county government. Um, have a lot of interest in real estate. I was a realtor for several years. I've owned rental property, both as an individual and in a partnership. So I just uh, think that's such a vital component to, to the health of our, our community. Thanks, Dan. Brian, if you could give us some background for yourself, please. Um, the Chief Field Deputy for Lancaster County, uh, Assessor Register of Deeds. I've been involved in mass appraisals since 2006. Uh, recently this year, I, I took a hire here. Um, I was in Douglas County uh, in numerous positions uh, for quite a while and I uh, was chief field deputy there from um, 2017 until just earlier this year. Very good. Phil, if you could uh, tell our listeners about yourself, please. Yeah, my name's Phil Hughes. Uh, I've been with the county uh, now for about two years, a little over two and a half years uh, as a commercial appraiser. Um, I'm over uh, pretty much all the multifamily properties uh, in the county. Uh, yeah, I create models and, and set uh, value to all of the apartments and the, the fraternity houses and uh, hotels and that type of thing. Um, prior to coming here, I, I worked in real estate pretty much my entire life uh, through property management or asset management. When I know we've had gentlemen and persons from the uh, assessor's department before but i think it's a quick high level review of the broad work that they do would also be helpful just to frame this conversation dan could you just give us just a uh, review i don't know if you have a elevator speech or things that you would have said to others in that in another presentation but what is it all that the assessor does um if, if it's well, short, short if it's long take your time uh currently in office we really have three divisions the assessments set uh Part, GIS, and then Red Serve Deeds. Um, I think we'll talk, probably the interest today is on the assessor side and um, all of our duties are outlined in state statute. Our primary responsibility as assessor is to value uh, real estate property in the county. And that, as you know, once the values are set, then that's what the various political subdivisions use to establish the, the levies that uh, they set uh, due to the budgetary requirements. So we're, we're simply, I think sometimes we get confused of being a, a taxing entity, we're really not. We, we set values and then the other, the various political subdivisions, counties, cities, schools, uh, NRDs and so forth, then uh, draw off the assessments to set their levies. Sure, so I think that's kind of a natural segue and thank you for that, for that tee up. We are here to really talk about some of the assessments and. And how I really got this conversation going was there was an article in the paper which talked about how uh, how certain kinds of units, certain kinds of properties were then being assessed 
differently than what the owners had expected or what had classically been done. But I think if we take a step back from there and maybe start with Phil. Phil, when we talk about assessments, what's it take to properly assess a multifamily unit? Or we will start with that first and then we'll kind of get into this idea of what does it take to assess perhaps an affordable unit? So just give us some, uh, educate me please. I would I'd gladly take it. Sure. Uh, well, here at the county, uh, you know, we're, we're different from an appraisal as if you were to hire an appraisal to, to value your house or your apartment building, uh, they would be looking at your specific house or your specific, uh, specific apartment building. Uh, here uh, in the assessor's office, uh, we, we use mass appraisal. And now what that means is we're trying to value all of the properties in the county uh, at, at once. We're not, we're not going to each one individually to do uh, a fee-based appraisal on that parcel. Um, how we do that is through models. Uh, we uh, we create we uh, follow all the sales in the county and uh, see what things are renting for, what things are selling for, kind of cap rates are going out there, um, and what, then we comply or compile a model based off this information. Uh, and then through general review, when we go out and and look at each property and take a picture, we try to verify. Uh, uh, the components, uh, the number of apartments, uh, you know, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, uh, what type of finishes, things like that. And with, with that information, we classify each property where uh, it should fall in the range of the model. Um, now, I, by state statute, uh, our sales ratio needs to be between 92 and 100%. So that, that's how we're judged. So when uh, we, we put a property into our model, it, it puts out an imputed value, uh, and then when a property sells, uh, we know how close we were to that value. Um, and that, that's where we need to be, is that 92 to 100%. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, I know if we just kind of go a little bit higher level too, just when does that process start and how long does it take to do that body of work? I mean, I think that's also relevant as well. Sure, uh, well, I, I, it, it's ongoing, uh, continuous. Um, uh, but by state statute, we have to be physically on every parcel at least once every six years. Uh, so, you know, that, that's how, that's the minimum that you're gonna see us come by your property. Now, I, uh, when, uh, I, like for apartments, uh, apartments have been so hot in the market the last couple of years that uh, every year it's triggered a revaluation where they've been outside that range of 92 to 100%. Um, so every time they fall outside of that range, when we do our uh, sales ratio study, uh, that, that triggers, triggers a revaluation. Um, you know, like currently, uh, they're sitting somewhere in the 80 percentage. Now, so it, it, it's triggering that there's going to have to be an adjustment to the model made again for the secret. Sure. So if we take just again, one more step back, how many, what's, what's the personal, what's the personnel number needed to do this kind of work within this subset? Like how many people do commercial multifamily appraisal, I guess it'd be multifamily appraisal. It, it, it's mostly me um, for the multifamily stuff. Uh, there is uh, another guy that uh, has helped me out quite a bit with the, some of the inspections and uh, uh, the duplexes and conversions. Um, there's four of us total in the commercial group. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the exact number for residential, but I believe it's in the 20s. Um, you know, it's substantially larger. There's a lot more residential parcels in the county. So as we come into this conversation, and this will spill over to the second half easily, um, 
when I first reached out to to, to Dan and your group, uh, I read that article in the Journal Stars in, in general saying, and if I'm not saying it correctly, please go ahead and just correct me, is that they were surprised by their new assessment based off of how they understood that they were to be assessed by, by state statute. Can you walk me through how things were different a few years ago to then how we got to the conversation that we're having today not so much this conversation, but the conversation that uh, that occurred in the Lincoln Journal Star. I don't know if that's a Dan question to Phil or Brian. I'll let you guys see. Tell me that story about where we were a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, and then how we got here. Well, I'll just get. I'll start it, and then you can chime sure. in. But um, on the Section Forty Two homes, those were valued uh, differently than than other properties, based on the lowest packed. I believe. I believe in 2015 and remember I've been in office just a year here so um, and it was based on income and, and Dan, can, you, over can you explain can you explain what section 42 means that's a, a program for uh, affordable housing there's federal tax breaks come into play and then there's also the uh, the state statute that came into play here all right. and I think Phil can give you a big, big, better explanation or a more lengthy explanation, perhaps than I can, on the things that come into play on the on the federal side. But um, over the years, it, it appeared that uh, expenses being claimed by some of the properties was was increasing, and it was brought to our attention in January that there were some properties were actually, as a result of the expenses, were um, valued at zero. And that kind of caused some concerns with us because uh, we can get into issues then of equalization and so forth and what that would open up. So we brought this to the county board, acting as county board of equalization, uh, to their attention and suggested we needed some clarification from the Tax Equal Equalization Review Commission, known as TURP. That's a state uh, state organization. Or so we went to. So the county appealed to Turk. There was a hearing, a two-day hearing held in March. Uh, we presented information, and uh, some of the owners presented information. The Turk decision was that um, we should or could uh, value these properties different than it had been based on uh, the zero values. I think that's kind of it in a condensed or kind of a nutshell. So, so, so to click to be. So I understand it. So properties that were subsidized for affordable and low-income tenants um, in the past, they've been allowed to adjust their value based on their expenses versus their reduced income from lower rents. And sometimes that would be zero or recently became zero in some cases. So the decision was to scrap that system and go to what? That, that's not our decision. Um, yeah, the way the way that state law uh, seventy seven thirteen thirty three uh, it spells out how we're supposed to value the properties. It, it tells us that we're supposed to use uh, the actual income and actual expenses as provided to us by the developer, uh, and then we capitalize that uh, derived NOA or NOI uh, by a cap rate that is set by uh, the state uh, in conjunction with uh, an appraiser and. Uh, uh, a syndicator of the tax credits. Um, so we're, we're handed the 
the, the provided actuals and provided or provided income and provided expense from the developer and we're handed a cap rate from the state and we're told to use those uh, to derive a, a, an income value. Um, now, it, part of that law says that if that value that uh, that formula gives us uh, is not market value, uh, is, is very obviously not market value, uh, then we're supposed to present it to the Board of Equalization. If they are, if they agree, they petition Turk, and uh, Turk rules on whether or not we can use a different methodology. Uh, and that's what we did and where we are at the moment. Um, so what was, what was the result? The prior system versus this new interpretation. Um, I know Kurt's referring to the article in the newspaper. Some properties went from zero to uh, something approaching market value uh, uh, equivalence of taxation. Is that what happened? Uh, effectively, yes. Uh, previously, before, and, and and I guess the impetus to this was in years past, uh, when the provided expenses and provided income uh, resulted in a, a near zero or even negative NOI, uh, we, along with pretty much every county in the, in the state would equalize or normalize uh, those values to try to uh, smooth out any large dip in expenses or increase in expenses. Um, that, that way you could still maintain a, a value that that made sense historically. Uh, now, up until the last, last year, last couple of years, uh, that's what was done. But then uh, there was a court case, uh, a couple of them now, uh, where Turk and uh, the, the Court of Appeals have ruled that we can't do that. We have to use what is actually provided to us, uh, that we, we we have to use exactly what is provided to us. Um, and in so doing, using what was provided to us gave us a, a zero value on a few properties that uh, it, it isn't logical that that value would be zero. Gotcha. Lynn, we're at our halfway point. Let's take a quick break. Sure. All right. So for our listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Our Street. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder here having a conversation today with our county assessor, Dan Nolte. Um, his uh, uh, assistant or chief of uh, staff, Brian Grimm, and uh, their commercial property assessor, Phil Hughes, and so, uh, Kurt, why don't you uh, bring us back in with the uh, question sure. that uh, will take us forward here? Yeah, sure. So within the first half, we had really got some of the baseline of 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 how property was being assessed, and and, and then understanding a, li a little bit more what that change was. But the first question I have in the second half is, if we can go back to your realization that hey, things are going to change, and this might affect people. Um, What's the communication strategy or process that your office had with those owners to, to inform them that changes might happen? Was it just a standard letter in the mail or was it like, hey, guys, this is this is coming down and we want to be good partners. Let's just talk. What happened in your office there? Well, I think the, the first step is when when we looked at the zero values back in January, then we uh, took that to the Board of Equalization and uh, they appealed it to Turk and I think that's what what started the conversation here. So. so was that something that local affordable housing developers were 
keenly aware of or was it something that sometimes government actions just happen in the background just didn't know what level of interaction that you had with the market in, in that space I, I believe in this case it just it came with 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 the tax equalization review commission also in the first half um it's when when we were kind of getting this idea of you were saying that there was a, a number of projects that had enough expenses that then brought their NOI, which is net operating income, down to zero, which then made them you know, add a zero tax rate and sometimes might have been a negative. Um, when you would look at those properties that, that, that raise those alarms and you look at those expenses year over year, what kind of expenses changed? How Was it something that they were claiming just differently or what happened? Sometimes we don't know. Uh, sometimes uh, what they put on that form is very general and broad and, and not specific. Uh, sometimes uh, we're provided with some audited financials that uh, may or may not uh, answer that question either. Uh, now, when we do get kind of an indication, uh, a lot of the time it's uh, it would be uh, more typically business expenses, uh, not property expenses, um, and which would be fine uh, to include business expenses if you included the business income as well, uh, which would, you know, like would be like the tax credits or uh, uh, other such subsidy, other such grants, um, but that wasn't being done. But, and I'm not saying that was all the time, but uh, it was certainly some of the time. Sure, and so I should ask this to, just to begin with, but it came to my mind, when we look at the scale that, that triggered this, this pathway that you went down, how many parcels or units are out there that abide by this section 42 process? Ballpark's fine, second base in the wall. I don't need a hard number, but just kind of get a, an idea of scale. Uh, I would have to look to give you an exact number. Uh, we're talking 20 or 30 projects in Lancaster County. Um, and within that 20 or 30 projects, there's 120, 140 uh, individual parcels. You know, some of the projects are, you know, 15 parcels combined together. Sure, sure. So, so, so probably a thousand or more units, right. you'd say? Uh, that would be a pure guess on my part, but that sounds reasonable. Sure. Okay. So when we, so just to follow up to that is, of those, of those number of parcels or of that estimated thousand, because that's easy math. <laughs> What percentage of them had a zero valuation that then you know brought this up? Basically, the question gets to is that was this just a couple people, a couple projects, or was this just like like the word got out and they and they started cooking the books and and, and they were doing this? Sure. Well, and, and I, I'm not saying that they're cooking the books. Right. Okay. Bad choice of words, <laughs> but they were, you know, you know, they were showing sure. a, a lower value, perhaps a zero. Yeah. And again, I would I would have to look to really uh, put a good solid number on that. But uh, just sitting here, probably a third uh, overall were either we're, we're approaching that zero or negative value um, where we're going to have, uh, especially on the scattered site stuff where you have 15 single family houses uh, that uh, the NOI dips low enough that the the value of the entire parcel ends up being less than if it was just vacant ground. Uh, if that makes sense, if I'm being clear there. Sure, um, yeah. So, so you probably had a third that, that fell in that group. You'd probably have a third that were very, very consistent and reporting 40, 44, 45% expense ratios. 
um, that fell on the other end, and then you had a third that were kind of in the middle. Gotcha. Yeah. So I think we're almost done with some my, my understanding here is, so when we first started, you, you had said that the process was there's a mass appraisal, general review. Um, when you went out and looked at it, you didn't classify pieces. So your section 42 would be your classification there. And you would look at the sales ratio then to help you find that value. Um, but then also you then would say that based off this conversation where the valuations were getting down to zero and Turk and others say that you had to use what was given to them and they gave you a another bit of guidance saying that, no, we need to look at this way, which might be more market, which is also sales, whatnot. So, so how how is it how is it reconciling that i think if you can answer this how is knowing that a project can't be sold for so much because it's rent restricted versus this other one so so i guess i guess the direct question is that if a, if a property has a restriction on it that it, it can only generate so much income and it can't be sold at market rate why is it being assessed at market rate? Well, uh, and I think there's some confusion there. Uh, yeah, there, there That's are, why we're here. Yeah, these these developers are, are compensated for that restriction. Uh, they, you know, they 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 enter into the land use restriction agreement, the LURA, uh, and promise to rent to uh, people at a certain income, uh, and they uh, the rent won't go over a certain amount and they have to provide certain uh, benefits, certain services. Um, but in exchange for agreeing to this, uh, they receive benefit. They receive uh, tax credits, uh, they receive grants, they receive other uh, forms of funding. Um, and the way that the law is currently written, uh, we're not to use that, that income, that benefit, but that, that, that would be the, the other, the other rights in the bundle of sticks uh, so to speak and and so if we're gonna you know to, to value these we have to value uh, all of those rights that entire bundle of sticks perfect no uh i guess uh you know before i said so really just two broad conversation pieces to go one is there are certain individuals that are very vocal about this policy uh at last night's city council hearing i believe uh fred hoppy called that the policy was dangerous and do you do you think that that comes from and won't uh, i won't ask you to put words but if, if someone would tell you that this idea is dangerous how what is the best what is the appropriate way to respond to that kind of criticism is it simply to say we're following the state statute and we got guidance we got support we did our due diligence it's on you what's the best way to respond to dangerous i think that's the beginning of it and then there's also remedies if if we're not doing things correctly you can file a valuation protest that's heard by an independent appraiser that's contracted with the county county board of equalization sets values if you're still unhappy with that you can file an appeal with the tax equalization review commission if you're not happy there you can seek uh seek a, a court uh court solution so there's multiple steps that people can take if if they don't think we're valuing property correctly so uh just going back to those third of those persons who might have 
uh, using that estimate of a thousand units and there's a, probably a fewer number of owners that are behind those units have many of them sought those reliefs and remedies or is this just something that is just stirring the pot right now no everything's working its way through the process. Perfect. yeah um, you know there uh, it, it is the, the solution to this is one of the top priorities for i know the county commissioners i, I know that there's already senators working on legislation uh, to help improve and and fix this issue uh, you know I, absolutely everyone believes that we need affordable housing uh, it's that's not uh, a debate or a question or uh, you know we, we all need that or we all know that there is a, a huge need there um but our office has statutes that we have to follow we, we can't pick and choose uh winners here uh, we we have to uh, our, our function is to set value uh to every parcel in the in the county and we have to set a, a market value to it okay so last big question is you know just that and again you keep me up great uh, housing is an issue and it takes many players in that space to to make that happen uh, Phil Dan Brian just from your perspective is there is there any expanded role that an assessor can take on to support uh, the creation of housing I know that's perhaps when you're in such a regulated field that that, that, that might be a big ask but anything come to mind when I ask that question not not offhand i think the assessor's role is different maybe than setting setting policy i think we follow whatever uh the legislature passes so uh, beyond that obviously we have an interest in this as, as citizens and, and residents so um we're certainly more than um willing or happy to provide any information on various proposals that may may be um be developed on how those those potentially would be implemented at, at at least in Lancaster County. That's just a great answer too. Lynn, do you have anything the, the question or do you think we're done for the day? Well, I think we've run uh, pretty much close to the end here. And uh, I get so we want to thank you, Phil and Brian and Dan for coming on and uh, and sharing your uh, information because I think it's uh, definitely a uh, important subject for those folks that are supportive of affordable housing and how everything comes together. And it sounds like the legislature is going to be the solution here if, uh, if there's going to be one. So uh, thank, thanks for coming on and hope uh, we have you back someday to uh, answer some more uh, fun questions. That'd be great. Right. Absolutely. And uh, feel free to reach out if you need any more uh, clarification on it. Very good. All right. Thanks to our listeners for spending uh, some time with us here on Our Street. We'll see you next week.